KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. Hey, everybody, this is Flashpoint host Cherry Gregg. Thanks so much for downloading the podcast. Would you do me a favor when you're done listening? Would you subscribe, rate, and review the podcast? We need your reviews to take us to the top. Thanks. Now let's get to it. This week, the focus is on a tragic shooting. They had called for help during a crisis, and the response was lethal. Try to talk to them, calm them down. Yeah. Or even if you couldn't calm them down, tase them or something. It wasn't. Don't, don't shoot them. No. First, down like a dog. First. That was wrong. The parents of Walter Wallace Jr. discussed their son's death and why they say the police officer who killed him should not be charged with murder. Then all eyes are on Pennsylvania in the battle for the U.S. presidency. Don't let them suppress your vote. Senator Bernie Sanders speaks directly to his most stubborn supporters. We'll be right back. Flashpoint is sponsored by the Gift of Life donor program, Organ Donors Save Lives. Register today at DonorsOne.org. Welcome back to Flashpoint. I'm Cherry Gregg. The focus is the aftermath of the shooting death of Walter Wallace Jr. This week, video surfaced of a police encounter with a 27-year-old mentally ill man. His family had called 911 for help and police shot the man dead as he wielded a knife outside of their West Philadelphia home. His mother's wail is unforgettable. Days of protest and looting followed. The National Guard is now in Philadelphia and body cam footage of the incident will be released next week. I was the first to sit down with both of Wallace's parents, Kathy Brandt and Walter Wallace Sr. are here. Welcome to Flashpoint. First of all, how you doing? Well, I'm taking one day at a time and building up encouragement and getting a lot of love from people giving us help and strength. You know what I mean? Prayers. That's beautiful for us, I mean, for my family. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's what we need. That's what you need. The past couple of days have had to be very trying, long days, long nights. Yeah. Miss um, Brandt, like, how are you holding up? I'm hanging in there through by the grace of God. I just pray every night to help me stay strong. Were you surprised by that outpouring of support? Thousands of people yeah. that have stood calling for justice for your son, yeah. Walter Jr. And I'm be thanking everybody for that, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. It, you know, that's why we need it. We need comfort and prayers do. Yeah. I just don't want to let my son die, you know, in vain, like, you know, like he wasn't nothing. And we, and he, he come from a bad family, and we, he's not that type of person. I mean, and I'm against the, this looting and tearing up the city. You know what I mean? Come together, we tearing up our own community and our resource, and we ain't got nothing back to go to. You know what I mean? And let's just talk about that a little bit because were you surprised that so many people? I mean, they yeah. it was almost immediate. Yeah, I sent an SOS out for them to stop. Yeah. Stop hurting in, in your community where we live at. And so let's talk about your son a little bit, because I don't think a lot of people know about him. What, tell me about your son. What kind of kid was he? Well, he was just a, a normal kid telling me and his mother he's going to be a professional rapper and he's going to buy us a mansion and yeah. I'm going to ride around <laughs> in the Bentley. I said, what, a BMW or something like that. So he had a dream or doing something good, you know what I mean? 
and his dream didn't last that long. You know what I mean? It was yeah. just taken away. You know what I mean? And he's a dad. Yeah. Yeah, he's his newborn baby. He ain't gonna know who her father is. Yeah. So that's the only thing I'ma have to teach. You know, teach her when she grow up. Her father was kind and stuff. So sometimes he was a hard head, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You tell him to go right, he go left. He just got yeah. married. Eight children? I think so. It could be more than that. Yeah. And so let's hone in on this a little bit because had the police been called to your home before Monday, before the, the, the day of the incident? No. No. Now that was the first time yeah. you ever called police. Yeah. And so, but you... Did somebody from your house call, or was it somebody on the street? I called the first time, mm -hmm. and they came. And when they came, they start, you know, like laughing at him, yeah. thought it was a joke. Yeah. So he kept saying, see, y'all don't effing care about me and yeah, stuff like that. And he was cursing at him, so I walked down the street, and he said, I'm coming behind you, and he, you know, followed me on down the street and we left the police standing out there. They was running to see if he had any bench warrant. So they must have ain't found nothing. They ain't passed no mind. We left them down there in front of my door and we went on by that bin. What was going on that you had to call the police? My son really called them. He called the ambulance for him. They didn't send no ambulance. They sent the cop. Yeah, he, Were you surprised when the cop showed yeah, up? Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, we was like, well, where the ambulance, ambulance yeah. at? He oh, called hey. on his phone for 9-11 because she had fell on the floor. The oldest the son. Oldest one one called. of your other sons. Yeah. yeah. Called, your oldest son called the, for an ambulance. ambulance. Yeah, and they sent the police. Police came. And, so, and that's when that incident occurred. I mean, was it like an altercation happening? Is that why your older son called the police? No, because um, I fell. Mm -hmm. When I fell, he called. He thought I was hurt. So he called the ambulance. He got scared. Mm -hmm. Did you trip? Yeah, I had tripped over something in there trying to, you know, calm my son down. Mm -hmm. So he was upset? Mm -hmm. Do you know why he was upset? Well, I don't know. Well, I, I really couldn't tell. Well, yeah. And this is where um, we all, the world, saw the Yeah, video. yeah, that would kick yeah. it off. And you were, out, we see you in the video. I was trying to grab for him. I was like, please, no, no, no. And then as I'm trying to grab for him, my son ran behind me and he was like, I got him, I got him. Before he could reach him, I was trying to get him again. It was too late. Yeah, and I will tell you this, Miss um, Kathy. Um, watching that video, and I've watched it a number of times, hopefully you did not, but just hearing you cry in that way. Yeah. If you could, can you even, what was in your mind at that moment? It hurt at me. I felt like somebody was ripping, ripping my soul or something out of me. How could you shoot my son down in front of me? How can you do that to me? When they started, when when they came from the sidewalk and ran out the street, they 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 their minds was already set up to kill him. That's and they, how you feel. And, and that's the truth. And that's the way I feel. I'm not saying this because he's my son. And you mentioned off mic before we started talking that he was, how was he taken from the scene? Once he dropped, 
he was dropping to the ground, he was still shooting. Once he dropped completely to the ground, my daughter ran over there, his eyes went in the back of his head, and then he took his last breath, breath. Yeah. and that was it. He was dead on the scene. And they took him to the hospital. Did they, did they give you a chance to connect with your son? No, he was dead. They had him, they had him in the bed. They told us, they told her, don't even go near him. And he was fully dressed. That's the way they shot him. And Miss Kathy, not being able to, you know, say goodbye to your son, um, what did that do to you? Make me cry. All I could do was cry. My yeah, she. I was like, what? Wake up! Wake up! He didn't wake yeah. And you know, I hate to ask this question, but everybody's talking about this fact about your son that he had some mental health issues. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's true. And he was going. He was getting counseling. He was taking the medicine. He was going to his to see a psychiatrist, you know what I mean? I told him, there's nothing to be ashamed. If you need help, go get the counseling, you know what I mean? Because everybody need counseling in different ways, you know what I mean? That don't mean you dumb because you, you got to go see a psychiatrist. It's stress. And some people can cope with stress in different ways. Some people have a shame or, or of an illness or something, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and stress is number one. But what did you hope that the police did when they arrived, we would have been... Try to talk to him, calm him yeah. down. Or even if you couldn't calm him down, tase him or something. It wasn't... Don't don't shoot him. No. First, down like a dog. First, that was wrong. That was totally wrong. Do you have questions for the police or for the city following all of this? Yes. It just wouldn't have to go there for them to call another superior officer been specialized in dealing with mental illness and stuff, you know what I mean? And, um, and, and, and another cop had a type of taser or had more experience in dealing with the public. You would have liked to see them bring in another professional. Person, that's yeah. right. Somebody specialized in dealing with the situation, you know what I mean? Because, you know what I mean, it wasn't no communication. And they mindset it's like they was trained to, to execute my son. So what would you like to see change? You know what I like for it to be changed? I like for every officer to be trained proper to help people in mental stress or illness in, in this type of situation. There's a GoFundMe set up for your daughter-in-law, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, is there, a, we had that, is there another way people can support your family? The only thing I'm making sure my grandkids get get kind of st a start in life. You know what I mean? Because, mm -hmm. see, they lost something where any other parent don't have a mother or father to, to come up. That, that's going to be yeah. uh, 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 something they have to deal with the rest of their life because they're going to have a mental illness behind it. Why does my father get killed? Yeah. Them kids, you know, you see them, they start, you know, howling and screaming, and they used to say to their father, coming through the door, you, you know. I saw your son's video, and I know, Miss Kathy, you've been kind of telling people your son had this video out, he was talking about this very issue that you, you actually told people that they should go watch it. So I took a look at it, mm -hmm. um, and it's called Blackhearted. Yeah. The video I saw, and the closing graphic actually says, 
rest well to those who died due to the injustice of America. Do you feel like your son is one of those people now? Yes, he is. Yes. When you when not when you talk about that song, Miss Kathy, your face lights up. Why? Because I like that song, Martin Luther King. I'm still for something. Yes. What do you want his life to mean to the world? I would want people not to forget who he was. He was a good person. And always remember who Walter was. My son was a good, beautiful person. I wish he could just be right right now. I wish he was right here with us. Thank you to you, Miss Kathy, and thank you to you. Thank you. Thank you. The day after my interview with the family, their attorney, Shaka Johnson, held a press conference at Philadelphia City Hall. The family had been shown the body cam footage of the shooting. He described what they saw and said the family does not believe the officers should be charged with murder for the killing of their son. Here's an excerpt from that presser. I saw a person in obvious mental health crisis. My auditory senses heard people shouting he's mental he's mental and you know when you're a police officer you have to respond to these scenes with all of your faculties employed sight hearing etc when someone is telling you that a person is experiencing a crisis you can't just immediately go to your sidearm and that's exactly what we observe we see the officers unsheath their weapons from the holster. We see them begin to move around the vehicle, etc. And then with inside of another 20 or 20, 22 seconds or so, we know that Mr. Wallace was gunned down at approximately a car length and a half distance. And that is what we were able to see. I know that everyone will view this video with a different lens and looking for different things. Now, I have grave issues with a person who is in a mental health crisis. And yes, I understand he had a, a knife. I had a, he had a knife. And I think that that doesn't give you carte blanche to execute a man, quite frankly, uh, because he, is, he has a knife. That is why I've said ever since Tuesday, the city has failed not only the Wallace family, not only the other members of that community, who will be scarred and traumatized for the remainder of their days. But the city has also failed those police officers. It failed them tremendously. The only remedy the police had in that moment, per their thinking, was their service weapon. There was no less lethal option available. And that has been uh, our war cry ever since uh, uh, Tuesday. Do I think that, does the family think, that those officers should be charged? And I imagine the, 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 the question he's really asking is with murder, right? Charged with murder. And what I, my answer to you is and remains, and I told, we told the city department that this this morning. We told them this morning. I don't think so, right? And here's why. Here's why. They were improperly trained and did not have the proper equipment by which to effectuate their job. They didn't have it. To a hammer, everything looks like a nail. You understand? If you send the police to service communities and the only thing you give them is a lethal weapon. At the academy, sir, they give you a badge and a gun. 
and then they teach you not to wound, they teach you to kill when the time calls for it. You have to use your discernment to figure out which time that is. It was not this time. However, those particular officers were only given a tool by which to assassinate, which is a service weapon chock full of ammunition, but nothing in between. No taser, no less than lethal uh, 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 device that would have been so appropriate in this particular circumstance. All you wanted to do was incapacitate him long enough to get him under control. And then, whether he gets 302'd or, or taken to a mental facility or whatever happens after that, no problem. We never got to that because they went straight to the death penalty outside that particular house. The footage is expected to be released on Monday. Next up, he's whipping up the vote in Pennsylvania. I wanted me too, but I'm voting. Senator Bernie Sanders, his message to his most stubborn supporters. We'll be right back. Hey, Flashpoint family, if you like what you hear, why don't you stick around and take a listen to some of our past episodes or our Flashpoint extras. One example is our exclusive interview with the one and only DJ Jazzy Jeff. He contracted COVID-19. He had some dark moments, but he survived. Take a listen to his journey. Another example is our Pat's Newsmaker of the Week, Andrew Wyatt. He's spokesman for actor and comedian Bill Cosby. He explains why they're petitioning the governor to hopefully get the cause out of jail early. All of this and more. Please subscribe to the podcast and rate and review. Now back to the show. This is Flashpoint, and I'm Cherry Gregg. The Newsmaker of the Week is the Get Out the Vote effort. Voters in Pennsylvania are getting texts, calls, emails, direct mail, and visits to whip up the vote in this swing state. Senator Bernie Sanders is one of those on the trail. He spoke with Flashpoint producer Ariane Fulcher on how he's influencing his most stubborn supporters. Welcome to Flashpoint. My pleasure. All right, so Philadelphia has been dealing with yet another round of racial unrest following the death of Walter Wallace Jr., I just want to know your thoughts on this and how this connection of change needed to bring reform to prevent such killings is connected to voting. Well, it's very much connected to voting. It's connected to who the next president of the United States is going to be. I I think the American people are sick and tired of police violence, uh, the shooting down and killing of innocent people. That's unacceptable. And the bottom line is that police officers who commit murder must be held accountable, period, end of discussion. In this particular case, as I understand it, we're dealing with somebody who is dealing with an emotional problem, mental problem. What you see all over this country, including my own state of Vermont, is that police officers do not have the training to deal with mentally ill people who are acting out. And that is why when we talk about police department reform, it means bringing people onto the forces who do know how to deal with those types of situations who know how to deal with people who are homeless, know how to deal with people who are alcoholic. And I think at the end of the day, we can provide better services to the community and save taxpayers money when we have police officers doing the work that police officers are supposed to do and we have other people dealing with folks who are dealing with mental illness or alcoholism or homelessness or whatever the case may be. We have so many Bernie Sanders supporters here in Philadelphia. And two weeks ago, we on Flashpoint, we had an episode talking to non-voters on why they weren't voting. And some of them told us that they weren't voting because they wanted you. What do you say to them about the vote and the importance of this election? Well, Ari, what I say is I wanted me too, but I'm voting. And not only am I voting, I'm working my tail off for Biden. Because, you know, what politics is about 
is to do the best that we can at the given moment. And right now, what this moment requires is for us to defeat the most dangerous president in the modern history of this country. We cannot continue having, in my view, a president who is a pathological liar, a president who does not believe in science, which has resulted in the United States having the highest death rate per capita for this COVID-19 pandemic of any major country on earth, a president who really doesn't believe in the rule of law. He's very authoritarian, thinks he's above the law. A president who is a racist and a sexist and a homophobe and a xenophobe and a religious bigot. So I don't care what your political views may be, but that is not a president who we can continue to have in office. And I would urge in the strongest possible terms uh, anybody who has supported me to get out there to vote. Vote today, vote tomorrow, and vote for Joe and Kamala. Uh, and then after the election, believe me, I'm a United States senator. We're going to continue to fight for our agenda. Health care is a human right. We need Medicare for all. We need to make public colleges and universities tuition free. We need to take on climate change and create millions of jobs through a Green New Deal. We need to make sure that health care exists for every man, woman, and child in this country, and that we lower the cost of prescription drugs, criminal justice reform, immigration reform. Those fights are not disappearing. We're going to pick up that banner and take it into the Senate and fight vigorously. But we can't accomplish what we want if we continue to have Trump in the White House. And by the way, a Republican Senate. Philadelphia and Pennsylvania generally have been the subject of several disinformation attacks when it comes to our election. As you whip up the vote for the Biden-Harris ticket, what is your message for them? Vote and vote early. Vote is in a democracy. You and I can have differences of opinion, right? That's called democracy. That's a good thing. And I like to argue my point of view. Other people argue their point of view. But what the Republicans are trying to do in Pennsylvania and throughout this country is suppress the vote. All right. So instead of arguing the issues, they're trying to make it harder for people, young people, people of color, poor people to participate in the political process. That is a disgrace. Don't let them suppress your vote. So you got out and if it takes you a little while, do it. You will regret Pennsylvania. I don't have to tell anybody is a major, major, major battleground state. That's why everybody I was in Pennsylvania last week. Everybody in the world is going to be in Pennsylvania. So please come out and vote. Do not let Trump and the Republicans suppress your vote. In election day, just a few days away, we may not know who the winners of each election will be. What would be the message to folks? What Trump will try to do, this is what's going on. Because of the pandemic, we're having a record-breaking number of people who are voting early and doing mail-in ballots. And got millions and millions of people all over this country are doing mail-in ballots. And what will happen is, depending upon the state, and in Pennsylvania, this is going to be a problem, there will be a lot of mail-in ballots that is going to take time to count. What may well happen is that the people who vote early will likely be Democrats. That's what polls are suggesting. People who vote on Election Day may likely be Republicans. So what Trump may end up saying on Election Day, he may be ahead at 10 o'clock in the evening before all the votes are counted. So I want everybody in Pennsylvania to know and everybody in America to know. In America, what we do is we count every vote. That means that the election in Pennsylvania may not be known to the next day. I don't know how long it will take. But the bottom line here is we count every vote and do not let Trump fool anybody by saying with early returns that he's ahead that he won. Ain't the case. Nobody wins until every vote is counted. Any last words that you would like to tell our listeners? 
Yeah, don't wake up the day after the election or two days after the election and say, damn, I should have voted. Wow, I can't believe how close that election was. You know, first election that I ever won as mayor of the city of Burlington, Vermont, I won by 10 votes after a recount, 10 votes. And I cannot tell you how many people have come up to me and said, hey, Bernie, I put you over the top. And they all did, as a matter of fact. So don't be one of those people who stays home and say, my vote doesn't count. Believe me, if there was ever a moment in history where your vote counts, this is that moment. Please come out and vote and vote for justice. Well, thank you so much, Senator Bernie, for joining us today and talking about this matter in Flashpoint. We, I admire you so much in the work that you've done and the work that you are doing. And I just thank you for letting my generation know that we have somebody that we can look up to. Thank, thank you very much for having me. Next up, a West Philly woman changing the lives of girls of color. I was in charge of a child. I was the one who a circumstance could be in prison. The national cosmetic company that's handing out cash and how you can help her get some. We'll be right back. Patriot Home Care is here to help when their clients need them most. If you're a caregiver and feel uncertain about where you're working now, call Patriot today. Patriot Home Care is now paying up to $600 in hazard pay to its current and newly hired direct care workers, recognizing their hard work and caring for our consumers during these uncertain times. Hazard pay will be up to $600 per direct care worker. Visit PatriotHomeCare.org. That's PatriotHomeCare.org. Or call 1-877-535-5550. Welcome back to Flashpoint. I'm Cherry Gregg. Be sure to subscribe to the Flashpoint podcast by downloading the Radio.com app, Apple Podcast app, or other platforms. All you have to do is search Flashpoint. Now, we here at KYW, we are all about community, and a West Philadelphia woman is helping young girls of color create a future filled with endless possibilities. And now she's being honored by a national brand. Let's welcome our Patriot Home Care changemaker, Cheryl Ann Wallington, founder of the Evalore House. Welcome to Flashpoint. Oh, thank you, Sherry. It is so wonderful to be here. Well, congratulations, L'Oreal Paris, woman of worth, $10,000 for <laughs> house. Yes. Oh, yes. girl. Thank you. Yes, I was one of 10 women in the nation selected to be a 2020 L'Oreal Paris Women of Worth honoree, which comes along with a $10,000 donation to Evalor House. But we also have a chance to get a, an additional $25,000 for Evalor House through online voting. They have to pick one of the 10. And we're hoping that Philadelphia comes through and supports their home girls so we can bring home the gold. Amen to that. And so for folks who've never heard of Evalore House, mm-hmm. please tell us what you do and your what your mission is. Yes, Evelor House is a nonprofit organization that empowers and educates underserved girls of color between the ages of 13 and 18. Our mission is to make sure girls of color graduate high school on time, attend a four-year college, and our goal is to break the cycles of intergenerational poverty. So, so far, uh, we've been around 16 years. We've graduated close to 2,000 young women. 100% of them are going to college and having fantastic careers. They're coming out of college debt-free on full-ride scholarships, and they're going to top colleges like Bernard, Villanova, New York University. So we're very pleased that they're having this opportunity to soar and to thrive. 
Yeah. Congratulations on those numbers. Those types of statistics make me smile. So tell me how you helped these girls get on a path because um, you were one of those girls as well. You know, a lot of people see me and they see this polished, glamorous lady, but they don't know that I am a product of reform school. I was one of those incorrigible, troubled young girls after my daddy died. I'm like a lot of young girls. We look for attention in all the wrong places. I got in so much trouble and I used to fight people like I was in the army. So all my friends when I was younger, they knew that uh, where to find Cheryl, you know, she was in the principal's office. Now, granted, I was always in a gifted class. Now I can tell you out of my sixth grade class, I'm the only one who didn't get a, like a master's degree or a doctoral degree. I know three judges came out of my sixth grade class, including Judge John Glenn. I decided to get my act together. It was when people, strong women in the community, wrapped their arms around me and said, girl, you're going to be somebody, you know, and they were uncompromising. They were tough as nails, which is something our young generation needs right now. And so they groomed me. I had like Great role models, designer Patrick Kelly, all of these people who are no longer with us. Uh, the state late uh, representative David P. Richard, and he was Richardson. He was the chairman of our first foundation, which eventually raised close to half a million dollars for minority students to attend college. Um, Naomi Sims, the late fashion model. Jeffrey Bean, the designer. This is why you see this product that's always on point, you know, because they made sure I knew, you know, when it's time to perform or whatever, you know, you perform and do your best. So I knew that I had something to give other girls. And people used to say, sure, nobody could do this but you, but I didn't understand why. I did not understand this because I was an incorrigible child. I was the one who a circumstance could be in prison, but I didn't. And it was because someone helped me. So I have a duty, but to be uncompromising and unapologetic. So that's how I'm able to get the results that you see through girls who are the most hardest to reach and underserved. We have no problem with making them sore. It's because I was one of those girls. I mean, this is a very tough time for mm -hmm. young girls for everybody. Let's just put it like that. And mm -hmm. tell us how the Evalor House how supports girls, especially through times like now, and how you're able to, to produce such good results that you will be doing to combat what kids are dealing with right with COVID-19. Well, I tell you one thing that we did, we connected with some of the best and the brightest minds in the country. And Evalor House is connected to a lot of the top organizations in the country who are on the Black Girl Movement and helping girls of color. We have all of these statistics. We know what's going on. But right now, uh, we're very concerned because most of our girls, their parents are essential workers. So we've seen, we're seeing cases when the parents are bringing home the infection to their children. And then in some cases, their fa families have lost their jobs. And so the child has to go out and become an essential worker. While they're in the midst of the COVID, they're also dealing with the racial uh, injustice issues. We are very concerned about the cognitive fitness. The girls are the ones who are on the front line. And it, it will always be that way. Just like, you know, you know, uh, the Black woman will pull through with the voting. The young girls are out there protesting. They are out there and they understand that they have to fight for their freedom. So next year, we're going to have to implement a lot of wellness and mental health sessions. Awesome. Yes, because our girls need your support now more than ever. And yeah. who knew that we would have such a racial issue that just occurred in Philadelphia, my own neighborhood, West Philadelphia. 
So we have served so many girls in that area. This is another thing put on the table. Yeah. And so how can people find Evalor House uh, mm-hmm. and yes. continue your work? How can they yeah. find they can go and look us up online and contact us on our website at evalorhouse.org. Wonderful. Check her out. Cheryl M. Wadlington, founder of Evalor House. Congratulations on 16 years and on being named a L'Oreal Paris Woman of Work. Vote for them at womenofworth.com every day through November 27th. Thank you so much. And congratulations again to you. Thank you. That's it for Flashpoint. Follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Flashpoint Show. And since we always wrap with a quote, here's one from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. When people are voiceless, they will have temper tantrums like a little child who has not been paid attention to. And riots are massive temper tantrums from a neglected and voiceless people. This show is produced by Ariane Fulcher and me, your host, Cherry Gregg. Flashpoint is sponsored by the Gift of Life donor program, Organ Donors Save Lives. Until next week, thanks for listening.